Coming up, you're about to hear from a company that is focused on building innovative AR apps for the education sector. You will discover how they decide which AR products to build first, how they user test each of their ideas, and a growth strategy that the guest refers to as a perpetual motion machine. All that and so much more. The most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. Want to double your downloads using ASO? Check out appmastersacademy.com to discover our exact ASO strategies to grow your downloads. That's appmastersacademy.com. Calculate your app's LTV and predict your mobile app's cash flow over the next year with Pollen VC's LTV Calculator. Learn more by visiting ltvcalculator.pollen.vc. What is up, App Nation? It is Steve P. Young, founder of AppMasters.com, the place you go when you want action-packed content in the app business because I talk to some phenomenal people, sometimes across the pond, to really get their story so that we can all collectively learn and grow together. And today, we got two superstars. you got a Steve Young, and now you've got a Robin Williams. I've got Robin Williams. He is the head of emerging technology at Twinkle. You can check him out. It is twinkle.com. Just leave out the E at the end, twinkle.com. And They've got some AR technology. So if you're fascinated about AR and new emerging technologies, we've got the guy for you. So without further ado, Robin, welcome to the show. Very much, Steve. It's it's great to be here. So Robin, take me back through the backstory. Twinkle started out more in the publishing, the printed, the old age, the, the printed model. So what happened there? And then what's this new emerging technology that you guys are working on? Yeah, so um, Twinkle was founded by uh, a, a sort of part, uh, partnership husband and wife now. Um, she was a teacher making her own resources. It's a very common problem across, probably across the globe, and especially in the US. Uh, teachers are very busy. They're constantly trying to find new ways to, to engage and make resources. Um, they hit upon the idea of kind of collating the stuff she was doing and sharing it with more teachers. Um, and it kind of grew from there into a subscription-based uh, resource website and nice. sort of they just generated a massive following, super, super scale. You know, it's, it's grown massively. It's been a, a bit of a star in the UK from, from its development side. Um, it's about nine years old now. Uh, a few years ago, they started to sort of tentatively look at, at adding AR into their books because they had a range of books for educators. Um, their mantra, uh, very culture-driven, their mantra is to help those who teach. And my role came in to sort of work with them as a digital team and try to sort of uh, understand how to take some of the AR and the app technology further forward. Um, and actually what we've done is we've just kind of really sort of spearheaded a very young team, a very sort of immature team because, you know, it's only just sort of really kicking off in the, in the UK for, for the educational sector. Um, and we've kind of put together a, a bit of a challenging last year and a half, but we've, we've arrived at some great sort of AR and ed tech products, um, which would be great to talk to you guys about. Yeah. And I love how the trans like the progression went because I think too many times we hear these buzzy words like AR, VR, and then we're like, we should do that. And we should do it for things like teachers and books. And it's like, what well, what's your background? Oh, my background's in, you know, something completely different marketing, yeah. right? Like, and I love that the fact that, Hey, look, here's what we started from. Let's figure out what's next in terms of what we're currently doing. And like, take that leap forward. And I like how you did that. Right. And so tell us a little bit yeah. about what AR 
is all about and how you guys are approaching AR because I think it's just so wide open. Yeah. So we purposely very much kept uh, where I look at emerging technology is something that can, can get into the hands or the classrooms of teachers within a three to 12 month window. If it's anything outside of that and we think it's going to struggle, we're kind of not really focused on it. So for us in the UK, especially, VR is a little bit uh, hard for education. It's, it's very costly to get the headsets. It's a very uh, introspective experience. It's not a collective shared experience. We found that AR and the, and the apps, you know, the ability that the apps can give teachers and educators with children is a lot more over the shoulder. They can see the devices, they can see if people are struggling and they can intervene, you know. So it's very much around an educational focus that we've, we've developed that with really. Are you guys thinking about it in the sense that, hey, here's some publishing, here's some books that we've already created. Let's tie that in with this app or is like, no, let's think about the entire AR experience and this mobile experience in a brand new way. And while we had this great service before, but we're going to try to approach this in a brand new way. If we were just doing AR for the educational space, here's how we would do it. Yeah. So, so yeah, very much that way. Um, some books started to have an AR app just built around them. Every new book, you know, we just, you know, sort of location triggers, things like that. So very simple stuff, but some nice models in there. Um, the announcement of Apple's sort of technology moving into quick look files is very exciting for educators because you've got the ability to trigger um, a non-app uh, AR experience just in a browser. Um, but, but what we found is people wanted a little bit more engagement still. The models are very static. You know, our, our motto was, you know, there's a dinosaur in my classroom how would that change your learning experience? And so AR is, is great for that. Um, but actually people go, well, I want the dinosaur to roar or to do something. And you kind of go, okay, we need to, we need to go a little bit deeper. Um, so where we'd started to kind of just look at the obvious areas, you know, sort of flashcards, things like that, that brought things up. Um, at the same time, we, we've, we've got quite a sort of forward thinking CEO and senior team. And they've really sort of said, look, go for this, you know, put a small team together, let's see what we can do. Uh, as I came into the business, they just announced uh, the new um, multiplayer capabilities within AR um, in iOS. And so our team just sort of set out 14 weeks to build a, a four-player um, grid-based AR uh, that teaches the principles of coding to young kids. And that's a Little Red Riding Hood um, based theme which is what we've got a lot of resources about traditionally and um, but we took that into an ar environment you know kept the same kind of brand feel and uh, and that's been great you know we, we got four players uh, capabilities in the same ar space two two of them watching two of them playing and very much a sort of took, took that element of teaching coding and reliance of you know one person has to do other things to help the other and, and that's been a phenomenal hit for us so far so you as the head of all this, like, how did you decide? Because you guys got a handful of apps out there, Little Red Coding Club, Twinkle AR. You've got a few that are like, you know, Phonics, Avatar Creator. How did you guys decide which ones to create first? We're very lucky. Um, Twinkles, a lot of Twinkle staff are ex-teachers or currently sort of combination of live teaching part-time and part-time in Twinkle. So very much what Twinkle's um, growth has always been really reliant on is we know our audience really well because we employ a lot of them. So actually, they're very, very open and feedback-wise, we have a very open feedback sort of circle between teachers and, and the resources we produce. Um, so we've always sort of gone teacher and child-led. So where we come up with a concept, it's really user-tested first before we actually start to prototype. You know, if there's no need for it, um, I think that's one of the areas, the challenges with AR is 
is not to be a gimmick, um, you know, is to be educational and to be engaging. So for us, when, you, when the Venn diagram there, our sweet spot is a combination of all those three, you know, um, but very much outcome focus on educators. So, that, you know, it, it helps us sort of get to where we've been. But we, um, yeah, we, we sort of threw, a, threw quite a few things out in the first year because we didn't have any limits. And I wanted to get the team across um, as much AR space, you know, each time. So we, we set very tight 14-week sprints and set about, you know, getting getting an app to market in 14 weeks with a, with a very small team of four or five developers. The, when you, did you take a few things down? Like when you were like in this first year sprint, you know, like, were there apps that you're like, okay, this is not working. Let me just take this down. Uh, I kind of think, you know, let's, if we're going to, if we're going to hang our hats, let's hang our hats and be proud. You know, we, we, we sort of didn't really realize our own limitations. I think the team, you know, I kind of just went in and creatively confined the team, which, you know, bubbled up their, their sort of aspects. And, and because it's quite a young, you know, we've got young developers who had just graduated a year or two out. We've got um, one or two seasoned app builders who've done a lot of non-AR based, but, but are very good with iOS. And then we, we, we utilize sort of university placement students. So actually we've got a lot of fresh ideas, a, a bit of a lack of understanding of where our limits could be, and actually, that worked really well. We just seem to get a really good culture. The thing I want to move back to, too, Robin, is you said user tested. What do you yeah. mean? Like when you said we, we really look at it, they're from the industry, they're, it's user tested before we even build it. What does user tested mean? So we just we put it in the hands of children and okay. we put it in the hands of teachers and we, we look for the blocks and we, we, you know, we suggest stuff. We, we just watch and, and we take notes. And you know, it's very easy for us to be able to. We've got a range of schools that are very sort of. Uh, local but also very happy to feedback on things we just went in we demoed stuff it is it's a it's quite um it's quite fundamental to what we're building is that we know there's going to be a market for it at the end even though we were working very short on on 14 week sprints some app developers i've spoken to and i I know you know they may be two years in or a year in um to a project and actually if they haven't user tested it you know it's it's those degrees of, of where you want to finish if you're off by a degree or two at the beginning you're going to be way off at the end. So we, we try and kind of keep it very focused on that. And short sprints helps us to sort of do that. So are you guys building a, a like a <coughs> really simple prototype, getting it tested, making sure that people understand it, and then kind of shipping it? Is that, how, is that the prototype uh, process? Yeah, kind of. We, we, we found that um, we, we utilize test flights a lot. And, and predominantly, a lot of our apps are built in, in iOS because in, in the schools and education system, especially in the UK, the devices tend to be iPads. So um, that's something that I, you know we, we know we've got a stable sort of market for. As we look out to, to international markets, because Twinkle's got a lot of different country uh, uh, appeal, we know we need to think about sort of you know a, a lot of Android stuff and, and where we can we've been able to prototype a lot in unity very quickly and, and get that out through test flight into people's hands. You know, we bought a, we bought a bunch of iPads and just take them around and, you know, let kids play. It's, it's, it's fantastic to see. But uh, then we asked the teachers, you know, what is it you're trying to get here? And, and let's try and get that in, in a, in a fun way. Really. I had, you know, one of the very first apps I built Robin, because I started my whole app career in building apps for my 18 month old. And yeah. I showed him my app. I was super proud of it, right? Like we, we got this built. I was like, hey, you know, try it out. He's only 18 months at the time, but he played for it a little bit. And then he just like hit the home button. I was like, oh man, this is so <laughs> <laughs> disheartening that he would just, but kids are so brutally honest. And I think yeah. kids are a great test bed for how, how usable is your app? Yeah. I think I think that's it. We've um, we we came at it from two sides actually. We're we're still in a in a in very big a learning curve. You know, we 
I've always sort of, I come from a conversion optimization background. So I, I really like testing, getting feedback and then moving into the next thing. You know, I never sort of, I never assume I know everything. Um, but what I've got three kids and they're all staggered at sort of, uh, I've got a five-year-old, a nine-year-old and a 12-year-old. So it's a great range of market testers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and they're quite good with apps. You know, they, they, if they've got no time for it, they'll tell me, um, but I don't have to tell them anything. And, you know, it's, it's nice. They're quite good with things like GarageBand and stuff like that. So I've always encouraged them to use it. And um, I suppose with, with what we're trying to do, like I say, education for the point of education, similar to AR for AR sake, it's trying to find the balance. And, and if we don't get it right with the audience, then obviously, you know, we have a parent's market. So we're aware that we, we're looking to try and educate, but not overly school people in the apps. I like that. The thing that I want to move on to next is you, before we had recorded, you mentioned something about a perpetual motion machine. Can you tell me, uh, yeah, like, yeah. what does that even mean? I thought you were talking about some device and Robin's <laughs> like there in the woodshed building something. Um, it, yeah, I think for me, I think anything we try and build as products, even digital products, it's, it's nice to think about how they're made so that they have a, a momentum once you build them and put the pieces together. Um, I think digital marketing, what always appealed to me about digital marketing is if you look at people like Pat Flynn, who does sort of um, smart passive income and things like that, where you've got, you know, people are trying to build a business in digital, which is sometimes hard to, to fathom what, what pieces are where. Um, it's looking at sort of, you know, what components going to keep momentum with the audience. You know, how, if an app fizzles out and doesn't sort of uh, stick with an audience more than a month or two, you know, and, and I'm selling it or I'm giving it away for free, then actually I'm not learning anything. So I need to think about putting things in so it, it builds itself each time people use it, you know, looking at sort of gamification and, and what are the, the small pieces that give something ongoing motion once you start something. So kind of like what Pat has done really well is create this like content, a lot of content in there that's continually bringing in people, that's continually getting people to learn more about him and things like that. And so it is just putting in these pieces. I think, Robin, like the thing that I sort of struggle with with this is you know, there's a, there's a, a balance between long-term and short-term because I feel yeah. like when you have this perpetual motion machine, like it's, it takes a while to get it going. Right. And to yeah, really see yeah. the fruits of its labor, but once it does great. Right. But if, yeah. if in the beginning, you got to be super patient about all this. Yeah. I suppose it's, it's like optimization. It's like a search engine optimization. You know, it's never a quick fix. It's always something that over time will drip in and drip in, but as it scales, you know, you, you fix a few things and they, and they improve and they get momentum, you know, it's, it's in a way, that's what Twinkle's done. It's done very small modular pieces of educational content. It's never just tried to set out to do everything in one go. And so we're doing the same thing with apps where we built a, an architecture app that's just a free build or some challenges, you know, because we just said, look, hey, can we do, uh, you know, real, real world physics for, for four players? In the educational market, that's not been done. So we just started with a very simple spaghetti and marshmallows educational game where you try and build construction with uh, dry spaghetti and marshmallows. We just did that in AR. It was, it, and it lends itself to, you know, to me mechanics, to uh, fractions, because we put balloons in there. We can sort of, you know, play, but it's still learning. And so we've just taken a very simple learning concept and tried to build a, an AR experience that kind of fulfills that without the mess of spaghetti and marshmallows. Robin, am I a little slow in that when you mentioned perpetual motion machine, that's kind of your approach with building these apps? Because like in a very short period of time, you've been able to build like quite a few apps. Yeah. Yeah. So what we're trying to do is we, we use a lot of modular code. We, we try to sort of build things in a way that we can reuse stuff. So we're not having to build bespoke each time. Um, we looked at multiplayer. We just, we're just getting through. Uh, Unity's multiplayer doesn't work very well for us. So we've actually taken a bit of time out 
with our app team and built ourselves a lobby system for multiplayers for kids. So we've got a nicer way of putting that into each of our apps. And actually what we're trying to do is just keep momentum growing with everything we do. So we don't sort of, like you say, we don't have to roll back from the app store. We sort of keep putting a new version out and iterating and, but it's already got an audience and it's already built momentum. You know, it's trying to sort of keep those going. You mentioned that you come from a conversion rate optimization background. I come more from a content marketing, you know, growth yeah. hacking type of background too. How have you utilized those past skills into the mobile space? Uh, we're just about to set out on it, actually. And, and again, uh, as mentioned before, you know, articles and blogs like your your site's got, you know, and the YouTube channels, it's it's looking for those, those short-term wins that sort of all stack up um, and you can get that sort of cumulative lift from lots of small changes. Uh, we haven't really done a lot of app store optimization yet. We just sort of got it out there because we've got a, a big email audience. So we pushed a lot of promotion out that way. Um, it's also been interesting just to let things go and see where they go organically and then over time, just go back and start to benchmark. Okay, now if we try this, does that have a big lift? Okay, we know changing the page equals this kind of lift. Sometimes we're in a rush to launch everything. We, we do everything at once, so we can't measure. Um, so yeah, because of the pace of how we did the first, like last year, uh, we've slowed a little this year, so we're trying to make it better now. We're trying to improve on it. And we've got the new version of Little Red coming out, which is which is great. I mean, it, 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 it's... It's night and day version of the others, but it's fully immersive now where we had a lot of flat UI elements before. So we're trying to sort of improve that experience. Uh, now we know people use it. I know one of the things that we did from a Craven, you know, like conversion rate optimization was for one of our clients, we added social proof into the screenshots, yeah. right? Like it's yeah. one of these things that's like no brainer. And then also I've been so bullish on using email marketing to get yeah. more monetization and retention back into the app. So what are some ways that you feel like tr tactically you're starting to apply some of these creative rate optimization, you know, CRO tactics into the mobile space? Yeah. So for me, it's building out funnels in reporting. So we have an accurate reporting to say, okay, we're going to be focused more on building our site out. The reality page that we've got on Twinkle, we just threw up last year because we knew it would, at least over the 12 months while we figured it out, it would hold a lot of um, SEO value, which mm -hmm. it has. And, you know, we, we need to do more pointing back to from the app store to our own site. You know, we, we still haven't sort of utilized a lot of those really big SEO things. We've got some research from an education um, that report um, that did... Uh, actually found a lot of uh, our apps actually fulfilled a lot of criteria for the app uh, learning framework. So using apps within an educational side, that's got a, a nice .edu, um, you know, sort of site. So anything like research and commission stuff, and that's totally, you know, it wasn't by us. It was done from somebody independent. So it's nice that it sort of supports what we do, but we're asking, you know, we, we're hosting that so we can try and get a lot of links back. Um, from a marketing side, which, which you might enjoy as well, is, the ability to use deep links into apps. So actually mm. we built a level editor in Little Red. So what we can now do is we can build special one-off levels and share them with teachers through social media links. Um, you know, again, prompting people to go and download if they haven't got the app, but actually just opening up the level editor with the information in so that they can play like a Valentine special level or a Christmas level and we can change it around. And it's a way of trying to get that those people back time and time again. So I think the ability of deep linking with apps is something that, you know, from a, from a marketing point of view, I put that into a trackable URL and then put it into a QR code. So actually we can get it out as many places and then I can see what's working in which channels. Uh, and it's all about looking for, for where the audience most engages and, and then sort of doubling down on that really. Is the monetization, the revenue model, just charging the schools? Is that how it works? 
No, at the minute, we, we, we're just coming into monetization. So we wanted to test it first. We've been very lucky where we've almost been given, uh, like I said, we, we haven't charged because we've just gone in to find our way through. Um, we do charge for a couple of the, uh, the non-AR apps. Um, again, just to sort of, we, we had an old Phonics app up there that we've just relaunched and redone and bug fixed up. And it's just ticking away nicely without any real push. We've got some marketing going off that. Actually, what we're going to do is look at a, a couple of models going forward where we, we've got a lot of development done in Little Red, so we're actually going to charge for that. But now, uh, similar to some of your your articles, you know, we've got fun to play around with, like discounts, and you know, we can run competitions and give away free codes. We can generate some engagement, and then we're going to offer new lands because we've got, you know, we've built a level editor function to help build the app, so we can now build new lands, and and we've gone, you know, you can start to go up and down now, and not just a flat grid. Um, so we're looking at lots of different ways. Probably a monthly subscription for another AR app we're doing very low price but actually we can keep them generating really high value educational content month on month and again look at how that model is different to the others so we're trying to use all our knowledge to kind of find the best fit for our education audience and for our parents audience you know and, and some of them are very different in terms of what they can afford and how they do it something i've been thinking about recently is just the competitiveness in the mobile space now right like it's so stinking competitive and discoverability is so hard that I was just thinking like, you know, for the indie developer out there who has no budget, is doing on sweat equity, like trying to partner up with an influencer, with somebody who has a user base. I think, you know, like if I was looking from the outside, oh, I'm looking at Twinkle. Oh, they have a paid app. Oh, paid apps and education still work really well. But it's like, they forget that Twinkle has his user base, right? Like they yeah. forget that. So like, I think too many times people like do headline reading and just kind of figure out like, oh yeah, paid apps do still work. And it's like, no, like they have this user base. I don't know how you feel about that. And I don't know where I want to take it, but I just thought I'd bring it up. I think we have to be careful because obviously we're, we're never trying to wring money out of educators. Education's got a lot of money lacking in, in it at the minute. What we want to try and do is provide a value and find the right value fit. We'll be completely sort of open to feedback depending on who's using the apps. We're going to try it at a sort of discounted rate we think we've got a, a strong enough sort of education side because the research says it works. We may have to look at doing, you know, we'll obviously offer discount for educations. And that's something the indie developers might not really know about is there are some frameworks out there. There are guidance for curriculums on what apps need to do what for education stuff. Um, you know, so there's certain things that they fulfill as criteria. And if they don't, then obviously it's a harder to get into that market. But I'd say like any, any marketing it's easier if you define your niche market and try and build something that really solves a pain point or has an engagement and entertainment value. If you try and do something that, that's worldwide, you know, does everything for everyone, that's where it's really hard to outcompete the big boys. But it's not hard. I'd, I'd say what's interesting is a lot of big companies, especially marketing, they don't know how to use AR yet, which is why you don't see a lot of AR in sort of key marketing advertising. It comes across very gimmicky when they do use it. And actually, it's more a showpiece than an actual conversion point and a customer touch point. But I think they're starting to get a bit wiser. I think. I've seen some some apps where people are modeling clothes and they look like you're in they're in your room. Yeah. And it's one of those things that just it's it's still got a gimmick, but at least you can see the, the back of the clothes, which you can never see from catalog shots. So actually, what's the next thing? You know, is is it's trying to find how it works for the right audience. So I I think there's I think the even the big guys in the, in the businesses across a lot of different marketing haven't got it right so for indie developers it's exciting because you know you can you can out compete or out maneuver you know okay you've got sweat equity but there's lots of little ways you know there's lots of free advice and and just learning you know from things like this is, is great you know we, we're happy to share because 
it's about sort of helping those who, who want to sort of do things really. Well, Robin, with a fancy title like emerging technology, like how do you, I don't feel like I'm good at predicting what's going to happen. Like how do you start thinking through like what's emerging? Like do you, what's the practice? Yeah. Like get me yeah. into your head. So I, I think for me, it, it, you know, I could, I'm, I've realized quite a few years ago, you know, it's not about being the cleverest or the most on pulse person about this is going to be the next thing. You know, you've got an adoption curve. It's where's the market right for the company that you're with. You know, if you're, if you're the adoption curve of the technology, our biggest blocker for education is access to modern tech. So if we create the most amazing stuff that's only available on the latest version, mm. actually a lot of our earnings can't do it because schools have a very slow process of upgrading. And actually a lot of schools have a, a, you know, an IT consultant that goes around the, the multi-academy trust and they'll update their app um, maybe once every six weeks. They'll, they'll update the, you know, the iOS or, or check things. So actually, we might be blocked from that. So we've got to understand how to get users into that sooner. So we need to think about, you know, again, like marketing funnels, how do we give some free stuff? How do we give some paid stuff? How do we get people up that funnel and also provide a value that they see the relevancy to, you know, we want them to think about upgrading their technology to do more AR, but we also have to provide non-AR versions in our apps. And that's something we've already realized, you know, we get, we get a bit of flack for that because we Again, you know, we were new into it. We started our little red <clears throat> and we, you know, we didn't close off the fact that it wasn't AR versions, but we're going to just go back and put a non-AR version in, you know, and again, it's, it's all learning, you know, interestingly, there's no way to change it once you set your account up, which I just find bizarre, but that's fine. Hey, for us, we just make sure we, we cover a non-AR version in every app or we kind of, you know, and that way we get more and more of our audience, you know, um, we're thinking about taking our apps into Obviously, into Android, once they've been proven in one, we may just have to develop natively because a lot of the, the functions we use in, in both Unity and in, in iOS, you just can't do at the minute for, for some of the Google Play Store stuff. So, we're, yeah, we're, we're trying to work with, with what's available for our audience, but I don't, you know, I'm, I'm, that's why I set a window of sort of within the next 12 months in a classroom because there's amazing technology there. Just trying to pull it back to the who's going to use it, who's our end user, and how access accessible is this technology and when and that's kind of our it gives us a bit more of a workable window really i like that answer i really do because i think <laughs> it is the adoption stuff sometimes you know you want to be like the person that said it first but it's like no you have to find where the adoption curve is just ripe for you to get in there yeah. do you get any comments having a very popular name at all because i get it uh, still. sometimes yeah like i say it depends it depends who picks it up i think i did a I did a, a talk a few months ago with Eddie Murphy and, and Eddie Murphy. And yeah, we, we were just laughing about that. It looked great on the, on the sort of LinkedIn piece, you know, that, that you know, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, um, I think you're right about that sort of, you know, trying to be the first in stuff. The first great for a PR point, And actually if you're an indie developer and you can focus really, really down on something that makes a bit of a showpiece, I'd say if you're going to develop that and you don't have a lot of money, if you partner up with a charity, or you do something that helps something that has a wider audience, that's something you can really benefit and ride off the, you know, the promotion. Um, and something that we found really useful is, I don't know if it's the same sort of way you guys are, but in the UK, um, there's a lot of uh, research and development grants for businesses. Mm. And actually a lot of the, the technology we're using in AR, and because it's not off the shelf and you can't just buy something and make it, you have to develop it. There's, there's a lot of tax incentives. So actually, it's quite cost-effective for small small groups and, and and you know people that are starting their own businesses and doing it sort of one to five size teams. 
because you, you've got a lot of tax incentives and grants, you know, and if you can tie them to things like uh, some of the grants out there, then actually you could maybe get a bit more funding than you think. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And I think I haven't done any research to see if those are available in the US, but I've heard that from a lot of other countries where there's a lot of grants, there's a lot of incentives, and the government will give you a ton of money, not a ton, but give you some money to try out new things too. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. Anything I missed, Robin, that you want to make sure we cover? No, I, I think, like I say, we're just, we're, we're still finding a way, you know, that I think a lot of businesses are, you know, I, I think what's interesting is as I'm looking for talent, we've just grown our team from five to 15 this year. Um, the challenge with that is where do you find, uh, you know, people that have been doing this a few years when the, when the technology is so new. Uh, and so we, we've got, you know, we, we're looking at the universities, the students coming up through their degrees are getting some access to some really good stuff. Um, I think what's been interesting from my side is how, how freely available a lot of this stuff is for, for app developers. Um, you know, Unity as a license is, is free, you know, up to until you're turning over 100,000. So you can actually do a lot of, a lot of development, you know, iOS, Android, you know, they, they all make this available. Um, and there's loads of stuff out there that people can help with. So it's, it's a really exciting time, I think, in, in this industry and where AR can go. I think as it starts to mature where it finds its fit for different audiences, <coughs> I think that's when we'll start to see some really interesting, interesting apps and, and sort of AR experiences coming out. Well, before we well, move on next, before we hit the big finish, Robin, I do want to thank my sponsor, Pollen.vc. Look, guys, if you're looking to get the revenues, your hard-earned revenues that you've generated, whether it's through subscriptions, in-app purchases, through the ad networks, you want them faster because Apple all these ad networks, Google, they're going to take about 30 to 45 days to actually pay you out, but you want to reinvest in any marketing campaign, an email marketing campaign, or any other campaigns that you want to run. Well, that's what Pollen does is they look at your receivables, so your revenues, and they get they are able to lend up to 95% of that to you so that you can reinvest in it. Simple, transparent pricing. So if you want to check them out, it is pollen.vc, pollen.vc. Robin, this has been absolutely amazing, but let's go to the big finish. Give us one app besides all the ones that you got through Twinkle that we should definitely check out. Oh, so one that we've created or one that's out there? One that you have not created. Okay. I, I'm a huge fan of, of Monument Valley. I come from a design background. And so the 3D angle of that, um, I'm really excited to see how that as a, as a business and as an app grows. Um, I think that kind of puzzle game and that element there lends itself hugely to sort of turning spaces and movement and things like AR and things like that. So I'm excited to see how, uh, how they keep progressing and, and taking that, that sort of story further. Is there a tool that you would recommend for, you know, user acquisition, user growth? Uh, I, I think uh, at the minute there's a few out there. I'm sort of trying things out. I, I, I still think the basic things are to, I'd say Google Sheets, I'd say um, Firebase Analytics, you know, sort of things like that where you're sort of bringing things in is, is going to be the key. So anything you can use to to understand what people are doing, I still think the fundamental, you know, some of the, the background in analytics is is where people miss obvious things from that side. I love it. The What's a lesson? And it could be personal or business, but what's a lesson that took you the longest to learn? I think it's that um, from my side, it's, sometimes you don't need to ask for permission you can go and just try it and just go and talk to your audience it's not as hard to talk to your audience as you think it is so uh, yeah excuse me everybody's ringing at the same <laughs> well, late. well it's kind of late isn't it over there <laughs> it's getting there yeah <laughs> well the website is called twinkle they've got a slew of apps that you can check out so if you're in the education space and you want to try out emerging technologies with ar go check them out it is twinkle 
twinkle.com without the E or just look for Twinkle in the iOS store and soon to be on Google Play. Now, Robin, if the audience wants to, the audience wants to follow up with you and say thank you for coming on, do you want to send them anywhere else? Oh, yeah. Um, I think I've sent, shared with you guys uh, my LinkedIn page. Um, so happy to sort of make connections there, sort of catch up with people uh, around any questions from that side. And again, if there's any sort of help we can offer or people you know, that we can introduce you to, that, that's always a, a big thing from my side. It's about who you know, I think, and sharing those connections. Awesome. I agree. Robin, thank you so much for coming on and doing this. That's no problem. It's been great. Thank you very much. Thank you all for listening. I'll see you on the next chat. Hey guys, if you've been enjoying the podcast, do me a huge favor. Please leave a rating and review within the Apple podcast app, iTunes store. You know, as app developers, reviews are so important. Ratings are important. It's the same thing for podcasters as well. So I'd greatly appreciate it if you go to appmasters.com slash iTunes, appmasters.com slash iTunes, and leave some feedback for me. I really appreciate it. We've been stuck at 100 ratings for quite some time, and I know there's a lot more people listening to this podcast. So do me a solid and go leave a ratings and review. It doesn't have to be five stars, just your honest opinion about the podcast. All right, thank you so much. Peace out. Thanks for listening to the App Masters Podcast. For show notes and amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.